Hello, Redemption Tucson. Good morning. My name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson, and it's great to be with you all and be together this morning. If you're new or you've never heard me preach before, I do want to let you know that I have a stutter, which kind of comes in and out as I as I preach. I thought that quarantine might cure that, but it hasn't so far. Um, in fact, probably gotten worse, right? Being all together in in one place, crammed in. But um, I'm excited for us to be here t- together this morning to continue to walk through this time we've been in, in the Lord's Prayer, where we're being shaped and informed and transformed as we come under Jesus's teaching about what it looks like to pray. And, and, and um, I also want to take some time just as I start here to help us understand what we do each week, even before we had to do this whole thing, right, doing this um, online and throughout this season, we've chosen, and it's not saying this is the only way to do it by any means, but we've chosen to continue our, our flow of walking through the full story of God each time we gather. Now, I know we're all in different places right now, but we're still viewing this as gathering together. And that's why we are going about it the way we are, where there's, you know, a, a chat kind of thing going on on the side over here where you can say some different things and interact with one another and say amen, amen, and, you know, and, and, and know that we're, we're tracking together because we think it's important in this time of social isolation, social distancing, that we're also formed communally together as God's people. And so what I want to just help us understand what that is, that each week what we do is we walk through a call to worship where we are reminded that we are coming together, again, communally, before a holy and righteous and perfect God. And then we have a time of passing the peace, right? Where we, where we, where we welcome you into this service and we greet one another. You can even turn to your, your friend, your neighbor, you can type it in there, you know, hello, good morning. And, and then we walk through a time as we just did of confession of sin and assurance of grace. And then we come into a time of reading and walking through the gospel together, where we are reminded of the good news of Jesus and and the full story of what it means to be God's reconciled people through the person and work of Jesus. And then we respond, and we will do that here in a bit, where we respond with singing and prayer and giving and then taking the Lord's Supper together. I'm going to again in encourage you to have that prepared if you are a follower of Jesus, to be prepared to do that, to break bread together. Um, and then we sing in that response, and then we ultimately have a benediction, the sending out of God's people in response to the good news of Jesus. And, and what I actually heard once said, that in that sending out, in the benediction, what that is, is we've just been reminded of reality. And throughout the week, all of us are slowly kind of getting um, distorted. The world is foggier. And we're reminded, as S- Stephen said earlier, things are not the way they should be. And then when we come together every Sunday, it's like we get, and this sounds cheesy maybe, we get a little glimpse of heaven, of the kingdom as it should be, and of the, the supremacy of Jesus. And we sing and are formed and are reminded of these things. And then we're sent out in response to Jesus as his people in a world that doesn't esteem him as he truly is, right? King of kings and Lord of lords. And then we need to come back 
together each week. And the church for thousands of years has historically done this and walked through this flow. And that's what we're doing now together. And so that's why we're doing it the way we're doing it. I wanted to remind you and encourage you even to have a posture of expectancy as we come together each week and specifically this morning together as God's people. Amen. So let me go ahead and pray for us together as we get into um, this section of the Lord's Prayer together. Heavenly Father, we recognize that um, we are being influenced by so many other things. And we recognize that we can think as though following you, your kingdom, your um, will being done, Lord, your provision, you protecting us from temptation, that that's just something that we talk about and we can forget how absolutely necessary that is, how real that is in shaping us, in leading us, in directing us every day, every moment of every day. And so Lord, we pray right now that you will remind us of reality or that you will remind us that you are our good heavenly father whose name is hallowed, most central, most sacred. And Lord, that your kingdom coming and your will being done is what we need most desperately. And then as we look at today, you giving us this day, our daily bread. Lord, I pray that the reality of you as our good father who provides will shape us, will compel us, will lead us as we live life together for Jesus's glory, for our joy, for the good of our neighbor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So again, this morning, as we walk through this time together and we look at this section, it's a a short section where Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And so I wanna pause before I get into it because right, that's short, we break it down and each week we're breaking it down, but I wanna zoom out, if you will, and not miss the forest for the trees. Okay, The, the big idea of this whole thing is this. Just pray. Okay, go before God, who is our Father, and pray to Him. And while we're praying through the Holy Spirit, as He directs us and guides us, He will be changing us. He will be reflecting where our prayers might be more selfish, where they might be off kilter, where they might be skewed. And that's where each week, right, we're spending some time to look at that. But I want us to not get so bogged down that we're hesitant to pray. Okay, the hope is that it would be the exact opposite, that we would be compelled, driven, motivated to pray together. So again, I just want to remind us as we now get into this time together to just pray because the whole idea that we're looking at, in fact, the whole mission of Jesus is that he would restore us, reconcile us, redeem us, right? Set us free so that we can live as a set apart people. And so to help us kind of look through that and how praying this prayer give us this day our daily bread, how that further equips us and empowers us to live as a separated, set-apart people who are depending on God, our Heavenly Father. So we're going to actually look at a section in Philippians chapter 4, um, verses 3 through 7. I just want to, um, I'm sorry, verses 4 through 7. I want to walk through these verses together as we look at what it looks like to depend on God. And then to reflect him and to be a people on display. So first, just you can go ahead and turn with me there in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. It says this, rejoice in the Lord always. How often? Always. 
every circumstance. This book is, is full of, of, of the author, Paul, talking about wherever you find yourself, whatever context you're in, every, every circumstance you're in, rejoicing, finding your identity in the Lord. That doesn't mean that you're not afraid, that you're not sad, that, that, that our circumstances don't inform where we are, but it means that ultimately, most foundationally, who we are as God's people, that shapes us. And so with that, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And again, there's this picture here right out of the gates that I want us to understand that God wants to put himself on display. Okay, in fact, in the very beginning, in the creation of all things, way back in Genesis chapter one and two, you see God saying, let us make man in our image. That God wants to, after he created everything, he displayed his glory, his perfection, his beauty, his creativity, his majesty, that as a climax, where he wants to, to put himself on display is in you and in me and in us and that we would display him, and that even there, before sin entered in to the world, that we would put God on display as dependent beings, as creatures, finding our identity and our purpose in him. Everything that we do is flowing out of trusting that he is the God who provides. But sadly, in Genesis chapter 3, tragically, rebellion comes in where the serpent tempts Adam and Eve. And what does he do? He calls God's trustworthiness into question. You can't really trust God. He's not really looking out for your best interests. He doesn't really want to provide for you. He's actually afraid that if you provide for yourself, that, um, that you'll become like him and you won't need him anymore. And this picture is painted. This seed is planted of distrust and sadly, Adam and Eve did buy in. And so all of us from there, by nature, right, who we are, we're born into this. And by choice, we live in this rebellious state of not wanting to trust God, of not wanting to see that he provides for us, that he meets our every need, that he gives us this day what we need and that we can depend on him. And the result of sin, of not God, of turning away from him, of rebelling against him is again, distrust, and then selfishness, not looking out for one another, thinking that we have to hoard, that we have to protect our own, and, and, the, and, the, and that we have to meet our own needs. And disunity and disjointedness is what defines our world. And sadly, we see that, right? We see that on display. We're reminded of this. I was at Costco the other day, and right, you see that. You just see this. This, this fear, this anxiety, this I've got to get what's mine right now. How did this whole toilet paper shortage come into being? I'm confident it was one person thinking, oh no, something, it's, there's, there's a, a crisis right now. I better look out for myself. I can't trust my neighbor. I can't trust God to provide for me. I've got to go. I've got to hoard. And then other people, right? See someone else. Oh, well, they probably need that. And I know it's silly, right? We're like, uh, Loose bowels, sorry, I know, you know, isn't really an effect, a symptom of this. Why is everyone going for toilet paper? And it's just, right, r r wrestling with one another, looking out for our own. And we see someone doing it and we just, right, all we like sheep have gone astray, right? You heard the phrase like sheeple. We just see someone doing it. Oh, I better grab that and hoard that. And it's, it's silly. And yet it's reality. It's the world that we live in. It's it's the effects, the result of sin, not trusting 
being selfish, being fearful. And yet God calls us through Christ to be a set apart people, to look differently. In the very beginning of this whole section back where we're looking through in Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus gives the Lord's Prayer, he starts it out. The very first words in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 is this, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then throughout that whole, this whole section, this whole few chapters, Jesus is reminding us what it means to be poor in spirit, to be dependent, to be set apart, to be citizens of his kingdom, not of our own, not selfish, not anxious, not looking out for, not untrusting. Okay, we're to live this way. And this is directly Connect. I don't have time to break it all down for us, but um, you could even make a note and go back and look at it yourself. I encourage you to, in fact, in Deuteronomy chapter eight, and then even, even before that, which that's given an account of the Exodus, when, when God's people were, were freed from slavery in Egypt, and then in that 40 years before they went into the promised land, he provides for them, how often? Daily. He gives them their daily bread. He gives them manna. And in Deuteronomy chapter eight, um, the author there reminds God's people, listen, remember he provides for you daily and he's doing this so that you can remember that he meets your needs and also says there also so that you may be reminded that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by the, by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. That again, we would remember that our very sustenance, every need we have is met by God. It includes food, but even greater than that is his word given to us. That we are a desperate, needy people. And so what does it look like for us to be set apart? Right, to have our reasonableness be known to everyone. Well, I think it's in part in the fact that in the Lord's Prayer, something we probably miss, give who this day whose daily bread? Give us this day our daily bread. Part of being a set-apart people who reflect God and his glory, who, who, who display the good news of Jesus by not being untrusting and selfish and anxious, but instead being trusting and, and, and generous and full of faith, right? Is that we remember that God provides for our needs and he calls us to do that and to live that out communally, and I've actually spent a lot of time this week just pouring over this. What does it look like for us to be a set-apart people? What does it look like for the good news of Jesus to shape us and to define us specifically in this season? I think part of it is the communal reality of God providing. Okay, I um, heard a phrase, actually, one of the pastors up at Redemption Flagstaff talked about um, this, this idea where, where our, our prayer would be, God, give to us and give through us. And, and this, this great quote I heard from Martin L Luther that I want to share, share with you. It's, it's short, because otherwise I wish it was like up here on a screen or something. But um, it's this idea of, of helping us more creatively think about God's provision. What does it look like for God to give us his day, our daily bread? Martin Luther wrote this. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we ask God to give us this day, our daily bread. And he does. He does it by means of the farmer who planted and harvested the grain. The baker 
who made the flour into bread, the person who prepared our meal, right? The grocery store attendant who we, who we ask, where is the bread? By the way, right? There's been a shortage of bread. There's been a shortage of flour, all these things. And yet, let me, this is an opportunity to help us just, again, I've been, my mind has been blown about God's provision in this way. Um, we have a partnership with a, with a food pantry here in town called Caring Ministries. And the, the link to sign up to be a part of what we're doing with them is actually in the, in the description right here on YouTube. So I encourage you afterward to go down and look at that and sign up. And here's what happened, Katie. This blew my wife's mind. I came home with what? Loaves of bread. You couldn't find them at the grocery store. You couldn't find them all these different places. Where did I find them? While packing boxes for others, right? People in need at the food pantry. And so there was this huge box of this expensive bread. Dave's killer bread. If you've ever heard of that, it's like really amazing, expensive bread. There was a huge box full of that. And so we were able to get, and there was plenty to go around every box. We were able to put one or two loaves of this bread. And then even enough for us to have some ourselves and to share with our neighbors and to, and you see how that's so different, right? From where we've been. So there's a partnership that we have every Tuesday and Saturday from 8 a.m. to 10.30 a.m., there's an opportunity, if you're able, right? If you're compromised, if, you're, if you shouldn't be out, then don't. But the way I've even seen it is if you can go grocery shopping, I think you can do this. You can do that and help others by being at this food pantry and this incredible opportunity where we see what God has given to us and how God is providing through us. And we get to participate in that. And it leads to us being a set-apart people. Right? I have a whole bunch of quotes. I'm not going to read all of them. One other one that I want to remind us of that I also read this. Actually, my friend Torrance sent me this this morning, and I was like, dude, I already wrote the sermon. You can't be sending me stuff after. But it was good. So I did include it. It says this, in this global emergency, God is once again issuing a call to Christians everywhere with any amount of means to help to remember the poor. That's from Galatians chapter two, verse 10. Constantly throughout all the scriptures, God talks about the blessing it is to be in community and relationship with, to be giving to the poor and to be receiving from the poor. And again, we have an opportunity right now, church, to sign up, to be involved in a ministry that helps open our eyes, to helps get us in closer proximity um, to people in need. So this question, though, comes up, right? Well, what if, what if I don't have enough? And I want to acknowledge that that might be the case for some of us. Like, what does it mean to have enough? How do we give out of where we are? And again, this whole book of Philippians, Paul talks about that, about all the different contexts he's in and when he has a lot, when he hardly has anything and, and how other people's generosity has been used to bless him that then he can generously serve and give to woe more to others. Um, I will give you one more quote on those lines. It says this, we are now in this moment, right? We're now being called to remember the poor while dealing with various consequences of the crisis ourselves, which means this is a time of real treasure testing for us. Where is our treasure stored up? Where is our heart? As Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter six, I just want to can encourage us to consider what does it look like to give generously, recognizing in our heart of hearts, there's a real question. Sorry, there's a little fly coming around me. There's a real question 
God, where are you going to meet my needs? And in this next verse here, back in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul reminds the people this, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Again, there are two places in the Sermon on the Mount. So just to be clear, I know I'm going from Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is talking and the Lord's Prayer is found there. And then also Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. So we have there, right? With everything in, with, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And then again, back in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about this explicitly in multiple places, in two places specifically, right? In one, he says, listen, you have a good father, right? How do you start the Lord's Prayer? Our father, right? We talked about that. He's a good father, most hallowed, most sacred, most glorious is his name. And then in that same Sermon on the Mount, he says, listen, God provides for you. Which one of you who's a parent, right? If your child has a need, if your son asks you for a loaf of bread, you'd give him a stone. Or if he asked you for a fish, you'd give him a serpent. Right? In the last few weeks, we've had many people, new parents. I want to give a couple shout outs. Right? Think about it. You're like Matt and Sarah Tillman, Corey and Jesse Crosby, um, the, 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 um, the, um, the Rodriguez's, right? Many other people that have, have, have been expectant with babies and have had babies now. And you can think about this moment, right? You're holding your baby, perhaps even right now, right? You would give everything to provide for your child. And then Jesus goes on to say, if you then, who are evil, sorry, Matt, Sarah, um, Jesse, Corey, you're evil, right? So am I, right? Join the club. Um, if you who are evil would give good things to your kids, how much more will your heavenly father provide for his children who ask him? He's a good father. And then elsewhere in that same, in that same um, place in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus reminds us, he says, listen, don't be worried about your clothes, Think about the lilies of the field, right? The flowers of the field who are here today and then tomorrow are thrown in to the fire. Sounds like clothes from H&M, right? Here today, dissipate tomorrow. But he's like, hey, if they are even more beautiful, more arrayed than even King Solomon, right? In all his glory, if God so provides for them or if he provides for the birds of the air who they don't store up in big barns and in storehouses and yet your father provides for them every day, how much more will he provide for you? But, okay, look, look at me. Because even some of us right now might be like, yeah, yeah, amen, I get that. But in our hearts, we're asking a very real question. What about when God doesn't? What if he doesn't provide? What if he doesn't meet my needs? I've prayed for, right? Even as I was talking about people who just had their babies, I'm reminded, sadly, of people who prayed for the health of their baby and it didn't go the way they thought it would, right? That's happened in my own life, in my own family. What, what about then? Okay, I, I wanna remind us that God does always answer prayers. And it's either yes, no, not now, or not like that. And I don't know when and why he answers in certain ways. Okay, in my own story, there have been things I've prayed and pleaded, God, take this away. And he doesn't. 
And sometimes, not always, sometimes you're able to see looking back, oh, I see that another prayer I prayed was actually contradictory to that, or he, did, he didn't answer that the way I thought he would, but this prayer was actually met in a different way through that prayer that I thought he wasn't answering, but he just was in a different way. Okay, this might be silly and trite, but um, think of it like this, right? We've done this in the last couple weeks in our own house. God knit our family together. Let us be close. Let, let us be grounded together in your gospel. Let my wife and I be one. Let our children grow in knowing you and your grace. And Lord, let all of our kids sleep really well tonight. Let us get along well. Let us just all get a really good night's sleep. And you can probably hear there where sometimes part of that prayer doesn't get answered the way we had hoped it would. But we've started to see more and more where, oh, other parts of that prayer that by being woken up in the middle of the night, by having to have conflict resolution together, right? God is knitting us together. He's making his grace more real to us. So you see him providing for his children always, but sometimes not how we think it should look. And then ultimately, church, lastly, when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we have the assurance, the foundation. We, we, we celebrated this last week that God has already met our greatest and deepest need in giving us Jesus, who is the bread of life. In John chapter six, Jesus refers to himself in this. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. You can see that connected to this last verse in Philippians chapter four and verse seven, where Paul says this, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In Christ, when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, ultimately, foundationally, God has already given us what we need in giving us Jesus. Through the life death, and resurrection, Jesus exposed and dealt with the results of sin, right? Where we don't trust God, where we're anxious, where we're selfish. How did he do it? By shaming us from afar? No. He did it by earning our trust, by revealing his trustworthiness, even while we don't trust him. He did it by not, not hoarding his own, but by freely, lavishly giving everything even his only son, right? Jesus giving his life. And he did it so that through him, we can now be a set apart people who live trusting our good father, who does daily provide our need in and through the person of Jesus. And because we have what can never ever be taken away from us, we can fully generously give. And so church, I wanna now just encourage you of a couple things, a couple action points. Again, in the description, there's a video by our friends at the Bible Project, and it's on generosity. I want to encourage you, perhaps even right after this service, to watch that. Watch it as a family. It's about five and a half minutes long, and it helps, again, tie into the full story of Scripture, what, how being generous reflects God's generosity and helps us to live as his set apart people, as Christ followers. What does it look like for us to be like that? And again, I want to encourage you to go to that form, to fill out the 
care for them. And if you're able to join with us, to partner with Caring Ministries, to come alongside God who provides for us, and then now also we get to be a part of seeing him provide through us. So I want to close in prayer. As we respond to Jesus, the bread of life, that through faith and trust in him, we have our every need met. We will never hunger. We will never thirst. And we can flourish and thrive as his set-apart people together. All right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do pray. We individually pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, thank you for the farmer, Lord, the baker, for the grocery store worker, Lord, for the ways that you provide for our every needs, the clothes that we're wearing, that were harvested and gathered and sewn together and all these different things, Lord, that you provide. And as we have a bigger picture of your provision, Lord, we ask that you would help us, especially in this time, in this fearful, Lord, pandemic that we find ourselves in, Lord, would you use us to be generous? Lord, would you use your provision to us to provide for others? Thank you for our church right now, those who have been so generous, who have given. And Lord, we pray that would continue as we consider the stimulus checks we just got or whatever it might be. There's no, there's no clear answer of what we should do, but we know that by your Holy Spirit, you lead us to live all of life generously in response to your generosity for your glory and the good of our neighbor. And then in that, our joy. So we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.